This podcast is recorded and produced on Gadigal land as well as other parts of Australia. In the spirit of reconciliation, Women's Agenda acknowledges the traditional custodians of country nationwide and their connections to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You're listening to Fertility Unfiltered, a Women's Agenda special podcast series supported by Jenea Fertility. Through this series, we aim to break down common misconceptions, shatter stigmas and provide a platform for those whose voices have been silenced. We'll challenge society's limited understanding of fertility, amplifying stories that celebrate the beauty of diverse paths to parenthood. I'm your host, Tala Lambert. Egg freezing. You've probably heard a friend talk about it or read stories about it in the news and social media. It's something more and more women are looking at as we prioritise careers and other life obligations over having kids. In Victoria alone, data shows that the number of eggs in storage has more than tripled since the 2015-16 to financial year. So how does egg freezing work? How much more time does it let you borrow? And ultimately, is it the right option for you? I'm Tyla Lambert, Editor-in-Chief at Women's Agenda, and I've been speaking to leading fertility specialists around Australia to uncover everything you need to know when planning a family, even if that may not be for some time. As women, there are some biological deadlines we're working with, but the more education there is on our reproductive health, the better informed and empowered we can all be in choosing the best way forward. In this episode, you're going to meet gynecologist Dr. Danielle Robson, who has walked many women and couples through the process of egg freezing. First, here's 32-year-old Kimberly Keynes, who decided to freeze her eggs while in the middle of an exciting career. Well, I guess I froze my eggs at 28 years old because I wasn't in a relationship. I wasn't ready to start a family and my focus was my career at the time. And it all sort of stemmed from an interview I did with a lady when I was 26 and she was telling me about her life story and basically she was going through all this fertility treatment. Uh, She wasn't with a partner. She was getting sperm donor, using her eggs and nothing was working. And she got to the age of 44 and her doctor told her that, I'm sorry, but your eggs have expired and you won't be able to have your own biological child. And that just broke my heart just to think that this lady who wanted a baby so bad just couldn't have a baby and she said to me at the time because I was sort of telling her about my life experiences and it seemed like I was very much following her sort of career path and and, and what she was going through in life and she said to me have you ever thought about egg freezing and I thought egg freezing what's egg freezing I've never heard of it and she sort of explained it to me and and it just sort of stuck on my mind for a couple of years and I then got to the age of 28 and she sort of kept in touch with me and I thought, you know what, I'm doing this, like I'm a doer, it's been on my mind, clearly it's something that I should do some research into and I knew that like children and a relationship wasn't sort of on the horizon for quite some time because I was so career focused. So I actually contacted a fertility provider, Janea, who were wonderful and they sort of talked me through the steps and I felt really comfortable to do it and so I went through the journey. For Kimberly, egg freezing has been one way to get back a little control as she balances ambitious career goals with her hopes of having a family one day. 
when I went and spoke to my fertility provider, uh, my doctor at the time said the younger you go through the process, the more success rate you would have in the future. And I didn't want to get to the age of you know, 38 or 48 and, and then go to freeze my eggs. And then it was too late or my eggs had expired. And I just didn't want to go through that heartbreak that I knew this lady had gone through. So I just felt like there was a bit of pressure, like, you know, there was pressure from society, there was sort of pressure from my loved ones and, and pressure from my biological clock that, you're 28. And as crazy as this sounds, I just felt too young to be getting too old to have a baby. But the reality is you, you're you supposed to be having children in your early 20s. That's the optimum age to be having children. And I had already passed that. And I knew that children were so far in the future for me. So I knew the longer I prolonged this, the less chance I would have of having a successful you know, birth down the track if I wanted to go down this egg freezing path. So I just was like, this is it, I'm doing it. The crazy thing was I didn't have a medical condition. It was just basically this biological clock that was really annoying and kept ticking. And I know that, you know, unfortunately, egg quality does decline with age. But the fortunate thing is your frozen eggs don't. So basically freezing my eggs at 28 years old, my, I have 28-year-old eggs there now that are sort of waiting for me to use them if I ever need to go through that. If, like Kimberly, you know that you're not ready to have a family just yet, but you want to keep your options open, egg freezing is something you may have been thinking about. But how does it work? And up to what age can you do it? Jenea Fertility Specialist Dr Robson says there's an optimal time for egg freezing. There are guidelines on this provided by Answray Accept, an expert panel of specialists from Australia and New Zealand certified in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. They think the best age to freeze oocytes or eggs is before the age of 35 years. And the reason for that is that women over 35 years achieve poorer pregnancy outcomes from frozen eggs relating to oocyte quality deterioration with advanced maternal age. I think it's really important to stress that if you're over the age of 35, that does not preclude you from freezing eggs. It just means that your chance of success is slightly lower. Just as we know, with natural aging, we have decreases in the quantity and quality of our eggs. So there's no exact cutoffs or thresholds. It's just about having informed conversations with women about, you know, when is the best time. Um, And it's a balancing act between yield, so whether or not you think that this process is actually going to be beneficial to you and that you would come back and use your eggs versus being, you know, in that older age bracket where your chance of success is lower. So, you know, a woman in her, you know, early 20s is likely to get a high number of eggs with a high quality. However, her yield is probably extremely low because she's probably got almost two decades of reproductive potential in her. And I don't know about you, but I was a very different person at 22 to 32. So things do change. So that's not an ideal patient. Someone, you know, equally who's 42, the quality and quantity of eggs is going to be very low. So that's not an ideal patient. Doesn't mean they can't do it, but it's probably not going to be as successful for them. So in terms of age, I often say in that sort of early to mid-30s is is ideal. Um, in the late 30s, not, not ideal, but certainly a conversation. Um, and sometimes that can extend into sort of the late 20s as well. With that in mind, how do you actually get your eggs frozen? 
egg freezing is actually very, very similar to running an IVF cycle for a couple with infertility. And the process just sort of stops at the point that we collect eggs prior to, you know, bringing sperm into the picture and making an embryo. But starting from the the initial consultation, patients would normally come in and see a fertility specialist and have a discussion about their goals and objectives and why they're undertaking egg freezing or get more information around egg freezing. And in this time, they may have a thorough history, some investigations taken and an examination. Some of those investigations will include an AMH or an anti-malarian hormone and a pelvic ultrasound with an antral follicle count. And we typically would also do basic serology. So whenever we're handling DNA, we want to know about hepatitis B, C, HIV status, those sorts of things. During that consultation, we'll discuss the processes and the risks, and it's there that you can get all your questions answered and um, debulk any sort of myths or rumours that are out there that patients often come in with. Then we move on to the actual treatment plan itself. So a treatment plan would be submitted by the clinician. And typically, if you're undertaking egg freezing, we do what's called an antagonist cycle or a short cycle. And that's when you start by injecting a hormone called follicle-stimulating hormone on the first day of your period. And the nature of this hormone is to grow all the follicles on your ovaries. These are the follicles that contain the eggs. And you continue with that injection all the way through the cycle. Around day five or day six, you'll then start the antagonist medication. And this medication is often also an injection. And that stops uh, ovulation from occurring. So you're taking two injections at this point. One is growing the follicles and the other one is stopping ovulation. Around day seven or eight, you'll start getting some monitoring. So this will include a pelvic ultrasound and a blood test. And the nature of these tests is to ensure that the follicles are growing as a cohort. So we want all of them to grow at the same time and the same rate or as much as possible. And we monitor this every other day or so to make sure that they're growing to the right size. And when they are, you take your third and final medication, and that's called the trigger. And the nature of that medication is very time specific. So you have to take it about 36 to 38 hours prior to your egg collection. Then you'd come into the day surgery and you would have your eggs collected. And this is done via a transvaginal ultrasound with a small needle on the end of the probe that enters the vagina, goes into the ovary and drains the follicles. We have scientists there at the time of the procedure and they look through the follicular fluid to look for the eggs and you get told how many eggs you have at the end of the procedure. This can be done under a general anaesthetic, but it can also be done with local anaesthetic and some light sedation. If you've just crossed your legs a little tighter as you've listened to that, it's okay. It does sound confronting. But how painful is it really? It may be worth talking to your specialist about this and having a sense of your own tolerance for discomfort. Dr. Robson and Kimberly can also shed some light. Well, I'm a self-proclaimed wuss, so I think I always make it sound a lot worse than it is. And my experience with my patients is that they come back and say it was really not that bad and that I probably need to tone it back a little bit. Um So most women are most worried about the injection side of it. So they feel a little bit uncomfortable giving themselves the injections, but they are designed in such a way that it's really easy to use. And we have an amazing nursing team that really guide the patients through that. When you have the injections, you know, you are giving yourself high dose hormones. So you tend to be a little bit more emotional, a little bit bloated. You can get a little bit tender and sore, but most people tolerate it really, really well. 
And when it comes to the egg collection, that's a really different experience for everyone. Some people prefer to be fast asleep for the procedure. Others tolerate it being awake with a little bit of sedation. You can have a full conversation during that time. Most people would take that day off work and that's what's recommended. And then about around 50% of patients would then take the next day off work. So it sounds like quite a lot, but most women are able to work through the whole process um, whilst they're on a cycle and only take the day of the procedure off. When Kimberly started the egg freezing process, she didn't tell many people and continued to go to work while taking injections during her cycle. Looking back, she wishes she was more open about it, including with her workplace. I have a really high pain tolerance, so I guess injecting needles into my stomach every day isn't daunting to me, but a lot of people I know do struggle with that. But the great thing is the nurse is so good, so they will, with your first injection, really show you how to do that. It's so good now to be able to talk to people about it, but I sort of kick myself for keeping it such a secret and not really leaning on, you know, my even my work colleagues to say, hey, I'm going through this thing at the moment, you know, I need a bit of time out or my emotions are all over the place. This is why, but I just kept it such a secret. Like, no, I'm tough. I can do anything. <laughs> it was probably the wrong time to do it, to be honest, because I had started this night shift job and then I was doing reporting as a TV reporter in the day and I was, you know, all my emotions were all over the place, but my mum was such a big support for me and she was there for me and she was so proud of me and just knew how career-driven I was and knew how much I wanted to have children in the future. So, yeah, she was really happy that I was, was sort of, I guess, taking control of my future. It's about a 10 to 14-day process and I, I think if you're going to go through this, the one thing I'd probably keep in mind is like maybe do it over a period where you don't have a lot on, you don't have a wedding or you don't have a weekend away because you really have to dedicate this two weeks to it. It's so precious when you inject yourself every day. You, you have to pick a particular time of the day that you will do this and you really have to stick to it. And then every second day you have to go into the fertility you know, clinic to get your ultrasounds done and uh, your blood tests. So I guess I just had to really make it work around my job, whereas I probably should have made my job work around it. Um, the good thing with Janae is that they're so accommodating. They sort of let me pick the time of the day that would work for me to go into the clinic and they really work around you. So I guess it was just, um, yeah, difficult because you've, it's, it's almost like you're trying to get pregnant. You're sort of told like, don't drink alcohol. You know, it's, it's a bit like being on the pill where it's like, you need to take this shot at this particular time of the day. So that's what I mean by, you know, you're probably not going to want to have like a, a big party or something coming up because you are spending a lot of money on this and you want to make sure you're doing it right. I didn't really suffer a lot of side effects. Okay. I felt fatigued and I was my, I guess for me, it was the bloating of my stomach that was probably the biggest sort of side effect because you're putting these hormones into your stomach and you're trying to grow your follicles. So over time, like they're growing quite big and fast. And I felt really protected of my stomach, like as if I was carrying a baby, which felt really bizarre. And I guess I did get a bit of headaches as well, but I know other women experience like mood swings and cramps and things like that. I didn't go through any of that. I actually had a really good experience. I guess everyone goes through a different thing, but I would say like, I wouldn't say like, don't do this because you're scared of, you know, needles or things like that, because these fertility nurses and doctors are there for you. So you can call them at any time if you need help. 
Kimberly continues to build an exciting career and plans to eventually start a family. When that time comes, her eggs are in storage if needed. So once you freeze your eggs, how much time can you essentially borrow before trying to get pregnant? And are there any risks to be wary of? Dr. Robson says, in some sense, your eggs can stay frozen forever, but that doesn't mean you've got forever to use them. I mean, technically speaking, eggs can stay in the freezer indefinitely from a scientific point of view, but there are some various regulations and principles that's you know have been established and freezing contracts range between the different units in different states. So it's really important to speak to your clinician at your unit. Uh, but typical timeframes are somewhere between 10 to 15 years. And the reason for that is that when it comes to age, we also have to factor in the obstetric implications for a woman if she is having a baby later on in life. Many women actually won't or don't come back to utilise their their eggs. So as we sort of touched on earlier, the data in this space is still quite limited because egg freezing is, is really starting to gain some traction and there's a lot more women coming forward. So I think we're going to get more information in the coming years. But in terms of what we do know, so we do know that insemination of these frozen eggs has to be done via something called ICSI, that's intracytoplasmic sperm injection, and that's different to traditional IVF. So that's where we take an individual sperm and we inject it into the egg, as opposed to putting the eggs in sperm in a dish and letting them hang out and do their own thing. Some women may choose when they come back to do a fresh stimulation at the same time as utilising their frozen eggs, and that's very patient-specific to the to the time of their life that they come back, their age and their personal situation. And then we know that we can also biopsy these embryos. So we can take frozen eggs, inseminate them, grow them, and then choose to biopsy the embryos if we're looking for any chromosomal abnormalities or underlying genetic conditions, if that has has become apparent in the patient's history. So there's always risks when we're handling gametes or, or eggs, um, sperm and embryos. So with a biopsy risk, you're trying to take about five to ten cells or so to then test the, the actual carrier type of the embryo. And, and with that, there is always the risk of loss or damage. In terms of long-term risks, we always talk into in the risks of the future baby and then the risks of the patient itself. So the, there is minimal data on frozen eggs and the return to use, but egg freezing itself is considered quite a safe procedure. So the risks largely stem around the stimulation process, the egg collection and any associated anaesthetic, but all of those risks are normally very uh, minimal and they would be discussed with the patient at the time of consultation. In terms of the safety outcomes for births from oocytes that have been frozen or eggs that have been frozen, to date everything looks very reassuring and there's no evidence of increased risk compared to IVF babies. While the risks are very low with egg freezing, it's worth noting that it doesn't guarantee you a baby one day. That's because each of us is working with different biological attributes and challenges. That being said, Dr. Robson has found the data emerging to be really promising. And if you do choose to freeze your eggs, the odds may well be in your favour. There's lots of factors that play into success rates and that can stem around the patient's age at the time that they freeze their eggs, their egg quality, the quantity of eggs that they get. But we do have a really good guideline that's called an ANSREI ACCEPT guideline and that's been written by the subspecialists in fertility and they quote survival rates of eggs with thaw between 80 to 90 percent and at Janea we've actually done an in-house audit and our rates are very consistent with that. Um, So the survival rate is really good with the new techniques in terms of freezing. 
When we come to bring egg and sperm together, that then sort of stems more to the egg quality and the sperm quality and how they fertilise and how the embryos grow. So that can be very factor dependent uh, on the patient and their chosen sperm donor or partner. There's, you know, a false sense of security with egg freezing. We know that freezing eggs does not guarantee your baby. It is commonly referred to as an insurance policy and there needs to be a real awareness of that when, when going to see a specialist or undertaking these procedures. But you you want to give patients, um, you know, a sense of, of safety in what they're doing but also a realistic goal and a realistic attitude to where it may lead pretty much anything that can hinder your ovarian reserve would obviously reduce your your chance of success so patients who've had previous oophorectomy so the loss of an ovary obviously only having one ovary would impact the number of eggs that you can get Um, if they've ever been subject to any what we refer to as gonadotoxic medication so chemotherapy or radiation treatments can often affect the health of your ovaries Uh, And then sometimes we have difficulty accessing ovaries. So patients with really severe endometriosis, uh, sometimes it's hard to actually physically get to the ovary to drain the follicles to achieve the number of desired eggs. I mean, I think endometriosis is a fascinating condition because it affects such a high number of women and yet the pathophysiology behind it, there's still a lot of theories and there's still a lot of unknown areas. So there's so much research in this area, full stop. In terms of treatment of endometriosis, it can be largely varied. Uh, You can use hormonal preparations to treat endometriosis, pain relief pathways, and laparoscopic surgery and excision of disease is also uh, very prevalent. But it is the type of disease that is different in each individual, and the severity can range significantly. So it's very much a watch this space because I think things will continue to grow with the research. And also women are becoming much more aware and outspoken about endometriosis, which is really great in the media. Whatever set of factors you're personally working with, the journey of planning a family and the steps you may take will sometimes feel like a roller coaster. And whether or not you embark on egg freezing, it's important to feel supported and empowered when you make fertility-related decisions. Female reproduction is a, is a highly pressured area in the setting that I feel like women in our day and age are, are very much under pressure to be everything and everyone to every person. So I think a lot of um, women come and see me in the setting of just feeling that pressure, whether it's career or family or relationship or just trying to juggle what seems like too many balls at one time. Um, So I think the emotional and psychological implications are that women worry about that risk of regret, uh, risk of putting one thing ahead of the other, delaying, doing it too early. There's there's a whole psyche behind that. Um, and I think it's really important to emphasise that this is still falling under a branch of what we call elective medicine. So you're wanting your, as a woman, you want to be physically and emotionally ready for this uh, and not rush into it because of a situational circumstance. And that's often when someone sees me and they've had a recent relationship breakdown. That's a really common scenario. And it's, it can be quite reflexive to say, oh, I need to freeze my eggs now because things haven't worked out the way I thought they would. And it's, it's often those patients that I say, like, take the time. When we talk about fertility decline, we really do talk in years, not months. And it is important that if you're embarking on this process that you're feeling emotionally supported within yourself and with your support systems going ahead. 
it is such a vulnerable thing when you're talking about your future or your life goals or your family planning aspirations. It's, it's highly personal. So you, you definitely want to go in feeling strong and feeling good about your situation and the time of your life that you're in. And it is one of those things where while it's very well tolerated and managed well, you want to do it when it's going to be the easiest for you. So I often give simple advice of like, when you're planning a trip or a big business meeting, like this is not the time to do it and really look at when this is going to be the easiest possible pathway for, the, for them. Now that you have a fuller picture of the process of egg freezing and what to expect, let's look at the financial costs. Egg freezing can range up to about $10,000 with additional payments for ongoing storage. Medicare rebates are available along with other options to help you fund it. One thing Janae Fertility suggests is to consider a clinic that isn't just about IVF. Clinics that take a more holistic approach can provide an overview of all your options to getting pregnant. And if this means foregoing invasive or expensive treatment, that will save you money. I guess in my current role as a political reporter, a big reason I did take this job a few years ago was because I want women's reproductive health to be much higher on the political agenda. And I really you know, feel like our politicians do need to step up in this space and, uh, you know, something I would really like to see, which is something I'm really pushing for, is for either, you know, the federal governments and the state and territory governments to offer incentives for women in terms of Medicare rebates for egg freezing because, like I said earlier, the number one question I always get asked is about the cost and, people don't just have $10,000 sitting there if they need to freeze their eggs. And maybe once they do the AMH level test, they'll realize that it's something they need to do urgently. And so, you know, we're working longer. We're supporting the economy. We need this support from the government to help women to pay for this process. I feel like so many more people would actually go down the egg freezing path if it was affordable. And, the more women that do it, it will become more affordable. And I really think that the government has to back this. Uh, I know companies in America for, for years have actually, like big companies like Apple and Facebook have been offering their female employees, you know, more freedom to pursue family planning according to their own timeline by paying for, for their egg freezing. And I really feel, you know, maybe businesses in Australia can offer these incentives as well. We're now in this day and age where we're not having children at 18 years old anymore. Pretty much every single one of us will 100% know someone who's going through fertility issues because fertility issues are increasing because we're having babies later in life. That's a matter of fact. Egg freezing is going to become the way of the future. And I don't want to see people missing their fertility windows because they're not looking at these options when they're at a younger age. So what I would really like to see is it's starting from even, you know, in school or our doctors, our GPs should be talking about this when we go to get our pap smear, our first pap smear at about 25 years old. Why are they not saying, hey, like I know you're only 25, but have you considered getting your AMH level tested to maybe see what your egg count is? Just so you can get a bit of an idea whether, you know, you may have fertility issues in the future. And of course, the AMH level is not 100% accurate, but at least it will get women thinking about, you know, if they really want children like I know I do, it will get them thinking about these other options down the track. So 
definitely there's not enough education. I really think people need to be talking about it. I know a lot of heartache comes with things like fertility, but I think unless we start speaking about it more, people are not going to know what their options are. I feel so empowered now that I went through that experience and I'm really happy to share my story with as many women as as I can because I just want people to be educated on how great this experience and this opportunity is. I hope today's conversation has left you with a bit more information to decide whether egg freezing is an option worth considering. As women continue to lead, transform and break barriers in all industries across the world, don't give up on that little dream of also becoming a mum one day. Remember we're all unique and it's well worth talking to a trusted specialist about the right options for you. You'll find more information on first steps and fertility tests in the first few episodes of this series. In the next episode, we're looking at planning for both an ambitious career and starting a family. Thank you for listening in today and a big, big thank you to our guests, Kimberly Keynes and Dr. Danielle Robson at Jenea Fertility. Don't miss an episode in this series by subscribing to Fertility Unfiltered, which you'll find on all streaming platforms and our website. I'm Tyler Lambert. I'll see you next time. Thank you.